Praise God. The book of John, chapter number 3. And verse number 3. Many of you can quote this. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say to you, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Everybody say, cannot see. How many of you like seeing? Amen? How many of you ever looked at... You remember those... They don't have them lately. I think it was in the 90s, maybe. They had these books that... They had these pages that were like covered with patterns. And if you stared at it long enough, you were supposed to be able to see something in the... You might know what I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I would stare at those dumb books. I never saw anything. Thank you, Brother Johnstone. I don't think there was anything there. I think it was like the emperor's new clothes. I think people just didn't want to look foolish and say, oh, yeah, I see, I see. I'm like, there ain't nothing there. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I don't, I'm sure there was. I just, my mind didn't work that way, right? But I remember those books, and I, I remember friends would look at them like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm looking. I'd be like. <laughs> I did everything I could think of. I'd twist it, angle it, turn it. I'd turn my head. I'd push it away. I'd change the light. I never saw anything. Really, I don't ever remember ever. I know some of you are going, really? You think he, like, surely something? Never. I didn't necessarily like it, but you know what I did? I just quit looking at those dumb books. Clearly, they weren't for me, and clearly it was just a fad, because many of you did not raise your hand, and you've never seen them. Right. Note to self, don't market something that some people just can't see. At least in the natural. Not seeing's not fun, is it? You ever, you ever felt like you were walking in the dark? Figuratively or literally. Right? Like, isn't it funny? You can be walking through your house. And you know the way through your house, right? Daylight, man, you can get from point A to point B. And you're moving along. No trouble at all. The lights go out. And you're moving around. Now, you know where everything is. So, so maybe you can but you still don't move as fast. I thought I broke my toe the other night. It still hurts a little bit, to be honest, and that's been a week ago. Blame it on my dog. No, I did not kick my dog. All you pet lovers are getting ready to feel in the wrath. The dog woke me up. This is a common... And I was stepping through the house, and I caught my right small toe right against a corner of the wall. I thought I'd cleared it, but I didn't. I knew quickly I did not. And then my wife was probably awake, too. Not because I yelled something, but because my foot hit the wall hard. I thought I was clearing, so I was moving. Well, I wasn't clearing. It still hurts. It got all purple. I'll spare you the rest of the day. I like being able to see. This should grip our attention here. Jesus said to Nicodemus. By the way, Nicodemus was a religious person. Nicodemus was a student of the Old Testament scripture. Let that sink in. But Jesus said to him, except a man be born again, he cannot see 
the kingdom of God. I want to see the kingdom of God. I make no bones about it. I want to see the kingdom of God. I want eyes to see. I want to talk to us this morning a little bit about seeing. And let's start first with not seeing. First Corinthians, I'm sorry, second Corinthians chapter four, starting with verse number one. We'll read some familiar scripture, but I want us thinking about seeing. Second Corinthians chapter four and verse number one says this. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Verse two, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. Now watch. I want you to see what the Apostle Paul is saying to the church. He said, we have this ministry. Because we can see and we have this ministry, there's some things we've done. Now you can go back and read chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians for full context. But he's saying we've got this ministry that God's given us, this calling to walk in. And seeing that we have it, we've done some things because we see the ministry we have. What's some things we've done? We have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. What does it mean to renounce? It means to, it's like, you know, I used to always be committed to this, but no longer. I don't do that anymore. I've renounced that. I've stepped away from it. I've separated myself from it. I don't involve myself with that anymore. I've renounced. Notice he didn't just say the things of dishonesty. He said the hidden things of dishonesty. Isn't it funny about dishonesty? It's usually hidden. Hidden. And so he said, we've renounced these things. We don't walk in craftiness anymore. What we call that today is working the angles. I used to love working the angles. My wife had to get on to me. See, if you grow up doing things a certain way, you need the Spirit of the Lord to sometimes come to you and say, you got to repent. The way you think is a wrong way of thinking. It's not in agreement with my word. You might think you're saving a buck and cutting a corner, but if you're taking advantage of someone to get gain, the Bible says that's not right. Is that too straight? We don't walk in craftiness. Furthermore, now watch this shift here he's talking about. Not handling the word of God deceitfully. I have a responsibility. I can't try to twist the word of God to make it say what I want to say. Or try to convince you to do something contrary. That can be deceitful use of the word of God. And there are many who have done it. They've used the word for their own gain. God help us. God help us. Right. So he's saying these are things because we see. But by manifestation of what? Truth. By the manifestation of the truth, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. What's he talking about? He's saying, hey, I have a good report among people because what happens is truth is manifested through my life. I'm not, I'm not a good person. The Spirit of God dwells in me, the Spirit of truth, and now it's manifested, and therefore men's conscience see me in a good light. That's what he's saying. Even in the sight of God, that's where it really matters. Because you're not fooling him. And I'm not fooling him. But watch. Let's fast forward. Verse 3. But if our gospel's hid, it's hid to them that are lost. The gospel. Verse 4. 
Watch, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God. Did you catch that? Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is, everybody say the image. Who is the image of God. Oh, it doesn't say he's an image of God. Christ is the image of God. Anyway, that's just a side note. Should shine unto them. Verse 5. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Verse 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Go back to verse 4, please, Brother Luis. Watch. The God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. This is why Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom. The God of this world has blinded minds. And the only way blindness can be removed is for a life truly and fully and completely and eternally removed is for a life to be born again. The minds of men are blinded by the God of this world. How does the God of this world blind people? I have a long list. I just want us thinking about this. How does he, you ever thought about how does the God of this world blind people? Right. Sometimes we read that verse and we're like, oh, you know, like the enemy puts a a curse on somebody's mind. Well, okay, yeah, but how does he blind? Here's, Here's some way. Distraction. Distraction. Any ever, you don't have to raise your hand. You ever been walking somewhere and get distracted and bump into something? You've been like, try to play it off. Ah, somebody raise your hand back there. Right? Oh, no, 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 it's fine. I meant to do that. Right? Bump into the wall, bump into the light pole, step off the edge of the sidewalk and try to look, get your composure back together. Right? What happened? You got distracted. And when you got distracted, you became blind to where you were going. Distraction. The enemy uses distraction to blind people in the world. Busyness is how he distracts you. Let me get you so busy with so many things that you never focus on what you... So you're not even focused on... Right, this is why, you know, and my wife over here, she's going to be... This will really get her. It'll get her going towards me. This is why you don't text and drive. Uh-oh, right? Because... You get busy doing that, and you should really be, right? That's distraction and busyness, right? How many of you are multitaskers? Do we have any multitaskers in the room? Handful. You know, science and study through the years has proven unequivocally you are less productive when you multitask. I know that's what you, this is, you came for a business lesson this morning, but no, it, it's proven, you, are, you and I are more productive when we focus on a thing and see it through and then focus on a thing and see it through and then focus on... It's proven. 
So the adversary has created, how does he blind? How does blindness get you busy? Let me get you multitasking. Let me get you doing a lot of things. Let me get you busy about a lot of stuff. Even if I get you busy, if the adversary says, if I get you busy doing all kinds of kingdom stuff, you're working for God here, you're working for God there, you're working, right? This is what Jesus addressed with Martha. He said, Martha, Martha, you are busy about much serving. But Mary has chosen the good part, and it will not be taken from her. What had Mary done? Mary focused on Jesus. Martha focused on being busy. Is there times where the Lord will get us busy? Yes, we just got to know it's got to be like Jesus. I must be about my father's business. And so the adversary uses busyness to distract. You ever try to get somebody to come to Bible study or to church and like, man, I, I just got so much going on right now. I would. As soon as I get through this project or that gets done, when I get this saw, what, what is it? The adversary uses busyness to blind the minds of the world. Busyness. Cares of this life. I'm, I'm going to hurry now. I'm not going to break down every one of these, but I want us thinking about how the adversary blinds the mind. The cares of this life. I, you know, I, I got to do this. I got, I got the bills I got to deal with. I got my job. I got deceit of riches. Trying to make a living. Try, once I do this, then. Once I get the earthly things, power, position, career ladders. I know I've fallen into that trap. You say God doesn't want you to grow in your job? He may, but if it becomes if it becomes a distraction to the kingdom, then he doesn't. Because then it's becoming an idol. You're putting it before God. And you may call it blessing, but I promise you it's not. It's a curse. It's a curse. And so power and position Let's move a little further. How do, we're talking about how the enemy, the God of this world, blinds unforgiveness, offense. You want to talk about getting blinded. You hold on to unforgiveness or offense in your spirit, you will not see clearly. You'll see everything through that lens, and it'll skew how you see everything. It will skew how you perceive everything. I don't even know if they use this term anymore. When I was younger, they used the term rose-colored glasses. You saw everything through rose-colored glasses, right? They were talking about, hey, your own perception has skewed your ability to view everything else. In other words, rose-colored glasses meant what you're looking through is not a crystal clear lens. You're looking through something that's changing what you see. And so, therefore, what you believe you see and what you really see are two different things. Unforgiveness and offense will cause you to become blind. Spiritually blind. I'm talking about things the God of this world uses to blind the minds. Notice, it's a blinding of the mind. Our thought processes, it's no longer clear. I don't see clearly in my thoughts. I'm confused in my thoughts. I don't have clarity of direction. What, what is that? That's some form of blindness that's getting it. The God of this world uses these things to bring blindness to the mind. Go a little further. Worldly entertainment. That can fill a bunch of those categories, right? Distraction, busyness, filling of my time. I'm getting caught up with the things of this world, the pleasures of life, these things that entertain me, entertainment from the world, filling my schedule. 
Here's an interesting one. Self-focus. The enemy will cause us to get so inwardly focused, always fixing me, working on me, fixing me, to where I no longer see outward. And I become blind to those around me. First John chapter 2. What are all these things? First John 2, 15 through 17. Watch. John said, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 16. For all that is in the world. Watch, he lists three things. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The adversary uses worldly things to blind the minds of people. This is what John is warning about. He's writing to the church here. You understand what happened to Adam and Eve in the garden? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Tastes good to eat. It'll make you wise. You'll be like God. The adversary appealed to these elements of the flesh, worldly desires, and their minds become blinded to truth. You know what else the adversary really uses to blind people? And we're getting ready to shift here. This is important for us. We need to be aware. False doctrine. False doctrine. Jesus said to the religious leaders of his day, your traditions of men they make the word of God have no effect. Your religious routine makes the word of God have no effect. Somebody once said to me, I've heard it said, I've had it said to me several times, especially in my workplace, my job. You're a religious person, aren't you? My response is always the same. No, I hate religion. And then I have their attention. Right? But it's sincere. Religion is man-made. Religion is man-made. Now, you can take the word religion and begin to break it down. I'm not saying the word in and of itself and some of its context and definition is all bad. But religion that's man-made is not good. We need that which comes out of the word pure religion. Okay? But false religion, false doctrine is how the adversary blinds the minds of the world. If he can get people to believe in a false God and worship a false God, he's blinded their minds and they won't see the gospel. If he can change the one true living God into a multiplicity of gods, then he's blinded their minds and they'll not see the gospel. If he can... Cause them to deny truth and hold on to a part of the truth. 
then he's blinded their minds. This is what the Apostle Paul said about this. He said, though I or an angel come preaching any other gospel than that which you have received, let him be accursed. And just to make sure they heard him, he repeated himself and said the exact same thing again in the first chapter of Galatians. He was saying, I bring in the gospel to you that I've heard. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He shared that in 1 Corinthians 15. But he admonished the Galatian church. If anyone, even an angel, comes to you and declares to you a different gospel than what you've heard from me, let him be accursed. And Paul wanted to make sure they knew where the line was. He said, if I come back to you and I share a different gospel than the death, burial, and resurrection that I've already shared with you, let me be accursed. The gospel is not negotiable. We don't get to change the gospel. This is what the world is doing. The world is changing the gospel to fit. Let's make it seeker friendly. Well, I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. I feel sorry for those doing that. Listen, you can't take the cross out of the gospel. You can't take pain and suffering and loss of self out of the gospel. Jesus said, except you take up your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Unless I lose my life for his sake, then I'll find it. But otherwise, if I try to save my life, I'm going to lose it. I can't remove that from the gospel. And we live in a world that wants to paint a picture where the gospel is such that Jesus loves you no matter how you are. That's true. And see, this is how the adversary works. Let me tell you the truth and then blend in a lie. Jesus loves you just as you are. Absolutely. Come to him as you are. Absolutely. He'll accept you as you are. Debatable. But you and I will not be his disciple and remain as we are. That is not. See, here's the challenge I see in our world today. Christianity has become popular. I'm not interested in popular Christianity. I'm interested in biblical Christianity. Jesus, I need you to pray with me right now because we're going to, I'm feeling some confronting of some things here in the Holy Ghost. And I want the wisdom of God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Father, I pray your words, your thoughts, open our understanding. That we not be given to the blindness of this world. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hear me, blindness tries to creep into the church. 
Watch Ephesians chapter 4, 17. Let's read another place in the scripture and we'll pick back up there probably where we were. Watch Ephesians 4 verse 17 says this. This I say therefore and I testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. How? In the vanity of their mind. What does that mean to walk in the vanity of your mind? I'll tell you what it means. It means to walk like I've got it figured out and I'm, you know, I'm smart enough. I'm intellectual. I'm wise enough. I'll let you know if I need anything. You can give me some direction from the Lord if you need to, but I, I think I got this figured out. No, no, no. Don't walk like other Gentiles do in the vanity of their mind. I got a message from Brother Pedro Guzman the other day. He was talking about this huge mass gathering where people were coming out of the mass gathering. And he was like, what in the world's going on? He had passed by when they were walking on the street. And it was a Jordan Peterson seminar convention there in Ireland. Does anybody here know who Jordan Peterson is? A few of you. Uh, you can Google it. Don't waste your time. But Jordan Peterson is considered an intellectual mind. He's got millions and millions of followers. He's a philosopher is what he is. And he, he has had some encounter with Christianity and Christ. He professes something there. That's not his main focus. But he, is a, uh, he has a form of godliness. And Brother Pedro said this mass of people that were leaving this event were all young people. He said he's got sold out, like young people, like 20s to 30s, just that are just flock, that can articulate a thought. He, he's conservative. He, he, he checks a lot of boxes. I'm not saying he's an evil man. I'm just talking. Hear me. Understand this morning. We must not lean to the vanity of the mind. And that's the deception that's there. What is it? It's humanism. Humanism. Us becoming our best, smartest, wisest self. That's humanism. I still have to lose my life. It's not my thoughts that are powerful. It's his thoughts that are powerful. It's not my ability to speak. It's his words flowing through you and I that are powerful. Jesus said, I don't say anything except the Father says it. I don't do anything except the Father does it through me. This is where we're striving to be. I don't want to walk in the vanity of my mind. I don't want to look to the thinkers of the day. That's the spirit that was on Mars Hill. People always seeing or hearing some new thing. Watch. We don't walk like that. Verse 18. Watch what happens. Those that walk in the vanity of their mind. They have their understanding darkened. Doesn't that seem so counter contrary? They're walking in the vanity of their mind, but their understanding is darkened. We're talking about their understanding of God and the ways of God. I'm talking today about the adversary blinding. We want to see the kingdom, but we got to be aware of what we allow in our lives or what works in our world that would bring blindness to our minds that restrict our ability to flow and operate in the spirit the way he wants us to. And so they have their understanding darkened. And what does that do? Watch. They are alienated from the life of God through ignorance that is in them. 
Why? Because of the blindness of their heart. They began to trust in their own thinking. They began to lean to the wisdom of men. They began to trust in what they could learn. Do I believe in education? Absolutely. But it's also the danger and the damage of education. I start leaning on my ability rather than trusting in the leading of his ability. You know, did you know for hundreds of years, possibly thousands, I'm not a history buff in that regard. Did you know for hundreds of years, scientists declared the earth is flat? Is that true? They de- no, I mean, I know it's not. But that they declared it. You know this, right? They declared it. And Columbus decided, I'm going to prove something different. Somebody decided they were going to start sailing, right? We're not going to go off the end of the world. But watch. Did you know that back in that time in the 1400s, when they credit with figuring it out, wasn't? Did you know that the Bible was already in place? You did, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, the Bible's been around a bit. Did you know the Bible declared that the earth had a circumference? All they had to do was read the Bible. And they would realize what they thought they knew was wrong. But the vanity of their mind, they were alienated from the life of God through ignorance that was in them. The word of God is always the final authority. The word of God is true. But the adversary uses intellectualism to blind the mind from life in God. I feel a warning in the Holy Ghost for somebody. Again, I'm not against education. But you better run it through the filter of the word of God. Who do you think controls the public school systems and colleges and universities? You surely don't think the Lord Jesus Christ rules and reigns in those halls, do you? It's the adversary seeking to pervert the mind and darken the mind and blind the mind. We need to be aware of his devices. But watch verse number 19, blindness of their heart. Here's what happens. This is a progression. The adversary is wanting to see. We must you say, why are you telling us all this? Because we need to be aware because these attitudes and attributes of the adversary try to creep into the church and we give a little bit here and we give a little bit there and we don't understand. Why do I not have direction? How come I'm battling a little bit of confusion? Why isn't there clarity in how God wants to work and use me? I'll tell you why. We've entertained these elements that the adversary uses and there's parts of our mind that are blinded. And here's the progression. Then it goes past feeling. They give themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greedy. This is the the progression of it. Verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ. Verse 21. If so be that you've heard him and have been taught by him as truth is in Jesus. Verse 22. That you put off concerning the former lifestyle or conversation, the old man, which is corrupt. According to the deceitful lust, verse 23 and 4. And it be renewed, how? In the spirit of your mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Verse 24. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. 
we must recognize and realize the God of this world continues to blind the minds of men so they won't see the gospel. And his tactics never change. He's been the same for thousands of years. They never change. And what he's doing is he looks, he says, if I can get into the church, I'll blind the church. And so what I'll do is I'll bring a twisting of Scripture. I'll bring a distorting of the Word of God. I'll take away an absence. I'll take away a love for truth. I'll paint this philosophy. God loves everybody. Come as you are. Live as you are. It doesn't matter. You're under grace. And it's a lie from the pit of hell. It's a part of truth seasoned with a lie that will eternally damn souls unless they come to truth. We need the truth of the Word of God. We need spiritual blindness to be removed from our mind. We need the renewing of our mind that we would prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Blindness keeps us from seeing the kingdom. These elements of the adversary that twist and turn. You understand, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob... And you see this progression and Joseph and then you go forward and you get to Moses and Moses was a man of God. And then Joshua, who's following him, was up on the mount with Moses and was in the tabernacle with Moses. Then Moses passes and Joshua's leading the children of God. And you think, my goodness, the power of the truth of the word of God operating from generation to generation Mighty miracles, waters parting, manna from heaven, fire falling them. My goodness, armies destroyed, walls of Jericho falling. The power of God manifested again and again from generation to generation to generation. And this pursuit of truth, this walking in truth, led by truth, the spirit of truth. And then you come to a scripture that says, and there after Joshua died... There arose a generation that knew not the Lord. How in the world did that happen? From one generation to the next, I'll tell you what happened. One generation stopped declaring the truth of the word of God. One generation started letting those gods of the others that... That Jesus, that the Lord God Almighty told them through Moses, don't allow the gods of the Hittites or the all those other ites, don't give them any room. Don't marry a cross. Because what will happen is you'll start worshiping their gods. You'll start going after their God. And they didn't see themselves going after their God. But they started believing what they believed. They started entertaining their thoughts. They started finding ways to blend in and fit in. You know, maybe, maybe we can compromise this part of truth just a little bit. Maybe we don't need to hold this line so firmly here. Maybe this, you know, I mean... You know, baptism, does it really matter if you say the name of Jesus as long as you mean it? I mean, you know, really, at least we're quoting a part of Scripture, even though we're not declaring the name like everybody in the Bible did when they baptized someone. But does the name really matter that much? In, right? And it begins this, this dumbing down of Scripture, this, this twisting, of, this eliminating portions of Scripture. Let's just compromise to make it fit so everybody feels safe. Do I care about how people feel? Absolutely. If you don't know that, you just haven't been here long enough. I care deeply about how people feel. But my responsibility to God is not about how you feel. 
My responsibility to God is to declare truth. Truth. I still believe you must repent. You must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I still believe it. I'm going to believe it till I die. And I'll just join with Paul. If I ever tell you that it's not true anymore, let me be accursed. It's the truth of the Word of God. I still believe we must be separate from the world. We must live a life of holiness and separation unto God. We can't walk like, talk like, act like, think like, live like, sing like, entertain like, do like the world and say I belong to God. It doesn't work that way. You understand? You say, are you judging them? No, the word of God judges. I'm trying to reach in love and rescue them. But I'm not jumping out of a perfectly good boat into a raging sea to rescue somebody. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go like, look, I've got a life preserver and it will reach to where you are. And if you'll open up and receive it, I'm going to get it into your hands and I'm going to pull you into the ark with me. And we're going to be saved together. But I'm not jumping in to try to convince you that this is the way to go. That's the deception of the world. Well, you know, if you would just become friends with them, sort of get involved in some things they do, then maybe you could win them. You understand the reason the world's attracted to you and I is because we don't act like them. There's something in us that's different. What is it? It's the power of the Holy Ghost manifesting through your heart and mind. It's the power of the Spirit flowing through us. And it begins to shine to somebody that's blinded by the God of this world. And they get a little light and they're like, I can't understand it. I don't know what's going on. But something when I'm around you happens. I see, I hear differently. I'll tell you what's happening. Their blindness is being penetrated by the light of the Spirit of God through your life. And so we must not let blindness get into our minds through the ways of the adversary. Second Peter 1, I'm trying to hurry. Second Peter 1 verse 3. You better know what you believe and why you believe it. Teach it to your children. Teach it to your children's children if you're old enough to have those. I mean it. Teach it to them. Why do you think that the Lord told Moses that in Deuteronomy in the Old Testament? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and Him only shalt thou serve. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind, all thy strength. And you shall teach it to your children in the morning when you rise up, in the evening when you go down. Put it on your doorpost. Put it on your bedpost. Read it. It's in there. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Why was he saying that? Because he knew if you don't teach it to your children and teach it to your children every day morning, he knew the God of this world will try to get in and blind their mind. He'll distort the word. He'll seek to distort the gospel. He'll begin to say, ah, this doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. That's exactly what the adversary's always done. Eve, has the Lord said, you should not. He knows if you eat, you'll be like him. The God of this world appealing to the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. 
Jesus. 2 Peter 1 verse 3. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things. I want you to see that. I want you to see that. We need to know what we have when we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. His divine power hath given unto us. Notice it doesn't say some things. It doesn't say some of the things. It says it's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How? Through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Next verse. Whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Watch. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world... How did that corruption get in the world? Through lust, men's desires, selfish desires. But you've escaped that because of His divine nature, because of Christ's power working through you that given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. Verse 5. And beside this, here's what He said. Now this is what you need to do. Now He's instructing us. Beside this, give all diligence, not some, all diligence, add to your faith. How many of you have faith this morning? I believe you do. You're here. He said, don't just settle for your faith. You need to give all diligence. And to your faith, you need to add virtue. And to your virtue, you need to add some knowledge. Not the world's knowledge. Knowledge of the Word. Knowledge of the kingdom. Knowledge of the things of God. That's why we must be in the Word. Add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. See, this is where we fall. So many people are glad to just have faith. But Peter was saying, hey you got to go on. There needs to be some diligence to add to your faith. You need to add virtue to your... And then you need to add knowledge. And he didn't stop there. Verse number 6. He said, and to your knowledge, temperance, self-governance. And to temperance, you need to add patience. And to patience, godliness. Verse 7. And to godliness... Notice you can't even have brotherly kindness if you haven't got, you got to do all that other stuff. You wonder why you struggle to get along with your brother and sister? To godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Verse 8. Watch. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9. Watch. You got all that stuff we just read? But if... Or but he that lacks these things is what? Blind. And can't see far off. And has forgotten he was purged from his old sins. How does the God of this world blind us? He gets us to stop being diligent in adding to our faith. Virtue. Knowledge, temperance. All right. Revelation 3, verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write. The Spirit of the Lord is speaking. He told John to write these things to the church, to the church, to the church. 
He said, tell this to the church. These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Verse 15. I know your works, you're neither cold nor hot. That sounds like a lack of diligence. You're neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot. Verse 16. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. Verse 17. Because you say, now here, this was the church at Laodicea's perception. Verse 17 was their perception. I am rich. I am increased with goods. I have need of nothing. But you don't know that you're wretched, miserable, poor. You're blind and you're... He's talking to a church. How did this happen? I'll tell you how it happened. They weren't cold or hot. He told us how. They were lukewarm. They just found the good middle place. Somewhere between living for God and getting along and compromising with the world. Not cold or hot. You know, this is not going where I thought we were going at all today. I have a friend that's an evangelist that God uses greatly. He said, you know, I just, but he went away from the Lord. He went away from the Lord. Thank God, God restored him. But when he went away, he went all in. I mean all in. I don't have time to tell you the stories, but he went all in. Drugs, alcohol, meth shops, making it, selling it, prison records, you name it, resisting arrest, fighting cops with tasers in him. I mean, he's got stories, let me tell you. He he was a mess. Still is a mess, but just a good mess now. He said, you know, I just, he was raised in a preacher's home. But here's what he said. He said, I decided if I was going to live in the world, I wasn't going to do it halfway. He's like, if I'm going to be lost, I'm going to be really lost. I thought, as crazy as that might sound, he's got a point. I mean, why would I want to live for God and go, man, you know, God, I'll I'll do enough to just make it. Tell me how little I got to do to just make it, Lord. But otherwise, I'm just going to try to enjoy some of the world over here. Are you kidding? He's like, no, man, I just went all in. But thank God, now when he lives for the Lord, he's all in. This is what Jesus is saying about the church at Laodicea. You're lukewarm. You're not hot or you're cold. And you don't even realize in that state you're blind. How did they get blind? The God of this world. The God of this world. But watch, he didn't leave them there. He gave this instruction in verse 18. I counsel you. See, that's the love of God. I counsel you. I'm giving you instruction, he said. Buy of me gold tried in the fire that you can be rich. White raiment that you can be clothed. That the shame of your nakedness does not appear. And watch. Anoint your eyes with salve that you may see. Verse 19. As many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Be zealous therefore. Do you hear the cry of the Lord to the church that has allowed blindness to get in? 
He's saying, I'm saying these things and I'm giving you instruction because I love you as many as I love. Here's what I do. I rebuke and I chasten. That's the love of God. So what do you do? You're zealous and you repent. I come to a place that says, God, where I've let the things of this world get in and begin to skew my perception. You understand that's blindness starting to work when my perception gets skewed. You really don't have to care what I say, truly. But we must care what the Word says. We must care what the Word says. Stand with me, please. John 3 and 3. Again, where we started, John 3 and 3. Jesus and answered and said to him, Verily, verily, I say to you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. God intends for us to walk in the light as he is in the light. But we need the Spirit of the Lord to so touch our eyes. Now, this is not where I would have chosen to finish today, but I remember I told you this is probably part one of two or three. Or It had turned, but we need to understand this first. right? We need to know what we battle in the world. And so then we know how to pray and we know who, how God would use us to reach to those that are blinded by the God of this world. We're not ignorant of the enemy's devices. And so being born again, one of the primary purposes of being born again is so that someone gains the ability to see. That old song, Amazing Grace. I once was blind, but now I see. You understand it was a blind man that wrote that song. I don't know if you knew that or not. Study it. John Newton wrote that song. He was a captain of a slave ship. And at the time of abolition in England... He penned those words somewhere along the way. God convicted him. He became a, a, I don't know if he became necessarily a priest, but became a servant in the church, gave his life completely. And he penned those words, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind. But now I see, and when he penned those words, he had already physically lost all of his sight. But what he once had done to make a living and what he once had done had been blind to the fact that it was costing many lives and how contrary it was to the word of God 
when grace of God came to him, it brought him to a place of change. And his eyes were opened spiritually and he saw the error of his ways. And he realized it was the grace of God. See, that's what grace does. It brings us to a place of change. Being born again is about beginning to see. And in this hour that we live, please hear me, in this hour that we live, I recognize the God of this world more than ever, striving, you know, he's okay if you come to church every Sunday, you come on Thursday night, you know, you say the right stuff. But then if you'll just let some of these things that he uses to blind the mind, if you'll give some room to him here and some room to him there, if you'll feed your mind with the, the entertainment of this world, if you'll feed your mind with the pursuit of riches, if you'll get caught up in the cares of life and all those other things and make the kingdom of God a secondary priority in your life, he'll get blindness in areas of your mind. Little by little, he doesn't have to do it all at once. Little by little, little by little. But when you were filled with the Spirit, when you were baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost, it was so you could see. So I could see. Watch what Jesus said in Luke 4 and 18. Familiar to many of us. He was reading from the book of Isaiah in the temple. In Luke 4 and 18. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captives. And recovering of sight to the blind. When you and I are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. There is an anointing that comes upon us. Peter called it the unction from the Holy One. Or the unction. That word unction in the Greek means anointing. There is an anointing that comes on us from him whereby we operate in this ministry that Christ operated in and declared that day, recovering of sight to the blind. But Jesus asked this question or made this statement. If the blind lead the blind, then what happens? They both fall into a ditch. I know this is somber this morning. Like I said, this wasn't where I thought we were going to go. But we're called to reach a world that's been blinded by the God of this world. And in order to do so, we got to make sure we deal with any speck that might be in our eye. That would affect our ability to see clearly. And so today I'm opening this altar to you. With me. And asking us to find a place of prayer. And ask the spirit of God. The word of God. And the light of his word. To so shine into our hearts and our minds. That would purge us from any and every area of blindness. That we would see clear as we've ever seen before in the spirit and in the kingdom. 
that we would be aware of things that have clouded our vision or our judgment, that there would come a clarity in the word and in the Holy Ghost because of what he's calling us to do in this hour. Would you find a place of prayer right now and begin to talk with him? In the name of Jesus.